The popular podcast Crime Town is nearing the end of its second season. It was one completely focused on the city of Detroit, starting with the heroin trade and the deadly police unit known as Stress in the 1970s to Coleman Young's historic two-decade run as mayor and the rise and fall of Kwame Kilpatrick. Culture Shift's Amanda LeClaire spoke with Crime Town producers Drew Nels and John White. She asked them why they chose to focus on Detroit for the podcast's second season. We had a pretty long list of potential cities, um, and so we were doing a bit of research into all of those, but I think we settled on Detroit pretty quickly just because so much of what we were coming across in the city's you know, history of crime and corruption felt so resonant today. So one of the interesting things that happened last season with Providence were the kind of uncanny parallels that emerged between Donald Trump, who had then just been elected president, and the longtime mayor of Providence, Buddy Cianci. And that meant that that season, um, yeah, just had a lot of contemporary resonance in a way that was really exciting. And I think we latched on to Detroit because we started to sense the same thing. I think that Detroiters are kind of sick of being a national allegory at this point. A lot of the things that we were coming across in Detroit kind of felt the same way. I think that Detroiters are kind of sick of being a national allegory, but there's a reason the rest of the country is so interested in Detroit, and that's because it's kind of the canary in the coal mine for what um, has started to happen to the rest of the country. So the history of police violence, which we wound up examining, you know, issues like deindustrialization, racism, and uh, the heroin trade, the war on drugs, addiction, all of this uh, really felt um, like it meant something today. Uh, even though some a lot of it happened in the past. So uh, we, we very quickly just settled on Detroit for that reason, and also just because there were so many amazing sagas and stories. Um, obviously, right now, as we approach the end of the season, we are um, focusing on the Kwame Kilpatrick story, which um, has so many exciting twists and turns and also feels um, like a bit of a Trumpian story in its own way, so, um, how relevant so much of what we were learning felt. I think being in Detroit... It's a place that I personally had, had been to before, had seen this seismic change occur over years of working there as a reporter. And, uh, you know, I, I think coming back to it now at this juncture where um, so much has happened from, you know, the, the riot or the rebellion, however you want to frame it, uh, up until today and it, this resurgence, you're always seeing articles in New York Times about its, uh, you know, Detroit redefining itself and leaving behind the vestiges of the past. And I feel like our story touches upon all of that. And you really, over the course of, you know, a 40-year history from the 70s until uh, where we'll land today, uh, I I think we take people on that journey and uh, raise questions and people can draw their own conclusions about what's happened there. You guys just do such an incredible job of getting all the major players of this story to to actually talk to you and, and, and really confide in you. And my colleagues and I are, have been surprised that you got to get to Kwame Kilpatrick, who you focus on, you know, towards the end of the season. Was there anyone that you really want to talk to that you missed and follow up to that? When you was it difficult to get Kwame Kilpatrick to sit down for an interview with you guys? 
Um, as far as people we wanted to talk to and missed, I mean, there there are some people who have said no. I think some of those people we're still hoping <laughs> will say yes, so yeah. I don't want to say their names <laughs> right now. Um, but I guess I would say the big, I mean, this is maybe stating the obvious, but there are a lot of characters in our story who have died. Um, and so obviously we weren't able to interview them directly, but that would have been an amazing opportunity. I mean, of course, Coleman Young, who was such, uh, uh, you know, a font of... Um, of snappy comebacks and wisecracks and sort of armchair philosophy. Uh, you know, you, you see old interviews and speeches with him and he's just so dynamic and has so much charisma and personality. And it would have been, of course, amazing to to have the opportunity to sit down with him had he not died so long ago. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's not like we could have talked to him, but if he had still been around, I know I would have loved to do that. Or Eddie Jackson. You know, we would, I think, love to have had him and Courtney Brown sit down together and kind of take us through the, the old days. And, and how they started off because, you know, talking to his son, he, he really loomed large and, and seemed like a, a larger-than-life character. Uh, so, yeah, I think we would have loved to have talked to him. Part of what makes our show interesting and exciting, I think, is the fact that we're more interested in kind of building complete, complicated characters than deciding that people are good or bad. Coleman Young is a divisive figure in the area, and I think we just tried to show both sides of his personality, both sides of who he was. So, uh, you know, he was, as you as you say, a hero to a lot of people. He represented a lot of hope when he was first elected. He came in on, you know, an anti-police brutality platform and represented, um, represented something really special to, um, to black people in Detroit. But of course, as, as time went on, he was involved in some rather unsavory things. And we just wanted to present that uh, as well, just to say, you know, somebody like Coleman Young is neither entirely good nor entirely bad. And um, and what we're really interested in is the complexity and the human drama of it all. The people that I knew best were scufflers, uh, these guys who ran the crap game, you know, uh, who were cutting the blackjack game on the old gamblers. You know, I've never been accused of being immoral, but uh, I, I've never been accused of being too moral either. What feedback, if any, have you been getting from folks here in Metro Detroit about that, those episodes? I mean, I would say it's largely been positive. Nobody has been like, why are you, you know, why are you praising Coleman or why are you coming after Coleman? Um, overall, I think, uh, I think uh, people just have, it seems like people have just kind of appreciated um, us doing the story justice. Yeah. And I'd say probably I expected more of that with Kwame than with Coleman, although I know there's a long history there. I mean, you don't stay in a public office for 20, 20 years and not raise the ire of, of somebody and offend somebody. But, you know, it seemed like Coleman, despite all of his detractors and, and you know, FBI investigations, he outlasted them all. That's another thing we I think we're all sort of floored by is that he he'd remained in office so long and and survived. And with Kwame, of course, you know, there there was the downfall. There were the, you know, he, he wound up perjuring himself and, and going to prison so or going to jail. So I, I think there's a lot more fodder there for people to be like, well, why are you focusing on this individual who's um, done us so wrong? But I think that, you know, initially he, he was a hero for a lot of people and, and even remains so to this day strangely enough, and, and we're exploring all that. 
I'm curious what you guys uh, throughout the whole production of the season has there been something in particular like surprising that you you found out some piece of information or some particular interview that you had that kind of shifted uh, the narrative of where you were going in in one of these stories? I mean, I think having not grown up in Detroit during this era, you know, I, we're not from Detroit, so we didn't come in with a lot of, or at least I didn't come in with a lot of knowledge or expectations or or history. And so learning about it, and certainly with Kwame, I felt like I, I kept an open mind. And a lot of what, you know, when I've talked to him, you know, on the phone over, I don't know, 20 times now, you get a, a sense of the man and... I have to say, you, it's hard not to like Kwame. He's very charming. We, as a Kilpatrick campaign and as a Detroit community, declare victory. Yeah! But then, when everybody was going crazy and crying, and, oh, my God, and this is history, and, and you see the reaction of people that are very close to you and people that supported you and people that worked hard for that moment. That's when it, it hit me. I was like, oh, my God. He elected as the 60th mayor of this city. And you see what people have said about him, but I think that that, that is something that, that still kind of rings true, even though his circumstances are so so dire. And, and yeah, and I think the way that, that people feel about him who, who don't like him are justified, but, but you're still kind of stuck with this idea of, of a person and not a politician. People that knew me could see that I wasn't as happy as everybody else. It's like uh, the dog chasing the school bus and actually catching it, you know? He, he, he chases it and barks and do it with such zealousness, but he really don't want to catch the school bus. You know, that, that's kind of how, that's kind of how I felt that night. And I was like, oh my God, I actually wanted to, I don't know how to be mayor. I was kind of panicking inside. And and that person still seems has a lot of good to them. And I think that that's one thing that at least I as a reporter wrestle with in terms of telling this story, because I know kind of how it ends, as we all do, but I think um, you're still left with the man himself and you know a father and somebody's son. So I think those are the things that, I don't know if it's surprising, but it uh, it's counterintuitive to the to the narrative that we hear in the, the news a lot. That was Drew Nels and John White of the podcast Crime Town. They're wrapping up their second season, a season completely dedicated and focused on the city of Detroit. They spoke with Culture Shift's Amanda LeClaire, and you can listen to Crime Town exclusively on Spotify. You're listening to Culture Shift on 1019 WDET. 